Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Mystery School. This episode, I'm going to be going over my journey in my life and how I went from trauma to triumph, from brokenness to wholeness. And the answers might surprise you on how I went through this. I'm going to start hopefully in order of my life and sequencing of events to make this as digestible and understandable as possible from all the different line of events here. So when I was younger, I dealt with a lot of different trauma that I've been public about a lot of things on my social media platforms, but there's a lot that I'm not at this stage. And I might still keep those to myself. However, when I was really young, we used to go to a specific church where I'm from and they did go through some abuse in that church. I was really young. I was about four or five at the time. The group leader was 10 years older than me, the one that, you know, <laughs> had been involved in it. So from that stage, I was very lucky because my mom did everything possible so my dad to help protect us in that situation, to help us. And unfortunately, how things ended up was that we, well, I guess it's not unfortunate, but we didn't go back, <laughs> to say the least. And from that point, there was other things that happened as well. Like we had moved across Canada for a new life, essentially, new opportunities, because there wasn't a lot back from where I was from at the time, which is Newfoundland. So we came here. And we started going to school here. I was in grade one at the time. And it's interesting because there's still a lot in my childhood that I don't remember. And, you know, for obvious reasons, when you go through trauma, your brain will actually repress a lot of memories. So from this time, we had other family that had come out this way as well. And there was a lot of things that I dealt with with certain people around. And I'm not naming names or anything like that. But there was a lot of fights, a lot of arguments between people. Um, there was a lot of people that would just basically come and go out of my life. Certain people would be there consistently for a year or two and then not be around for a couple of years and then come back like nothing happened. I also struggled a lot with bullying from a young age. And I'm realizing it's probably because of <laughs> neurodivergence. You know, I wasn't like everyone else. And that was very clear from a young age that I was different in how I did things, how I processed, just overall how I felt. But kids are mean, you know, I'm sure all of you at some point remember elementary, middle school, high school, and just how kids can be. They will say things that are completely fabricated, not true, in order to hurt another person. And this happened often with me from a young age. And both my parents, they were very young parents. They had me and my brother at the ages of like 18 and 20. So they were still kids themselves. They were still growing up. They, was, they were still learning as we were growing up at the same time. And as young parents, you know, my dad was going to school, trying to become a red sail mechanic. My mom, she worked full time for quite some time as well until we moved out west. And they didn't really have the support system. So my mom stayed at home. But still, like any parent will go through, there can be a lot of struggle 
when it's just one person working, one staying at home. But my parents did a lot to make sure that we were taken care of. However, there was other things outside that were very dysfunctional. So when we finally had more people around, it was still volatile off and on. And I know that things that I observed, even if it wasn't directed at me, I still observed and made beliefs in my mind about it. Because from all the way from when we're born, essentially, all the way up till about we're 12 years old, we're forming all of our beliefs around the world. We're forming all of our belief system, all of our attitudes at that time. And from there, we add to them, absolutely. But our core fun fundamental beliefs are from this time. So I took so many different beliefs away from what I experienced. One, that you love family no matter what, <laughs> which might sound great to some people, but when you have family that are you know, dysfunctional or toxic and they're just not healthy people, but you just keep giving them chance after chance because they're family, so you might as well love them. They're family. You can't choose your family, but you can. Okay, you truly can. You may not be able to choose who you're blood related to, but you can choose who your inner family actually is. So I learned to ignore all the bad stuff because you love them. So how do you think that set me up later on for relationships? Oh, God. Looking back, it's so clear for me why I chose the people that I were with and why I put up with certain things that I did. Because I saw that anger is okay. And I mean explosive anger, not healthy anger, not the anger that utilize for change or catalyst or set boundaries. No, no, the anger that you project and hurt other people physically with. So I observed certain things like that as well. Also growing up, there was another person that I will not name who would also that I would spend time with every so often. And it wasn't until I became a teen that I said no more. I don't want anything to do with this person. And that created a lot of issues because so many people were essentially mad at me. And I didn't tell them specifically what happened to me. I just straight up told them that there's been a lot of incidences that are not healthy. I don't feel safe. I don't feel comfortable. And looking back, one, I shouldn't have had to tell anyone what exactly happened. But two, people should have cared enough to ask. So if my daughter ever came up to me and said, I don't want to spend time with a family member, I don't feel safe, I don't feel comfortable, you know, I would dig into why. I will find the reason. I won't just get mad and say, well, you have to because it's family. You have to spend time with them. You have to love them because they're family. That will never, ever come out of my mouth. So at least I'm proud of that fact that I can teach my daughter that she can have those boundaries. doesn't matter if it's family or who. If you don't feel some safe and comfortable around somebody, we're going to figure it out. There's going to be some changes being made here, you know? So this person, what would happen oh, is that anytime that I would spend time with them, there was very, very, very limited food. So I would often go long periods of time without eating. And there'd be a lot of times where I would stay up until two or three in the morning just so I can try and sneak into the cupboards 
and get a couple, you know, crackers and some peanut butter. And I remember just taking enough that it wasn't noticeable, but also trying to make sure that I had something in my stomach. And from all of these different experiences as well, later on, I ended up having an eating disorder. I did not eat. I was anorexic. I would starve myself often. But then, you know, you have the binge cycles at times as well. So what I would consider to be a binge is really, I don't even think is a binge at all now that I've like talked to my therapist and things like that. There'd be like a couple times a year, I'd allow myself to have something like a milkshake. So it wasn't often, but the one or two times I did, I would hate myself, hate my body, hate everything. And I would end up being really sick. So I did this for quite a number of years. And as soon as I could, so in my teen years, I started working. There was other abuse scenarios that happened, not in my immediate family. I just want to make that clear so no one makes assumptions here. But there was other abuse things that I had gone through that no one actually really knows about. But I have written about a lot of this in two of the books that I co-authored in. So two collaborative books that I was a part of over the last year and a half. So then I started working at the age of 15. I was going to school and working 30 hours a week. So quite a bit. And then at the age of, oh, so before I started working, I was about 12, 13. I was working at 15, but at 12 or 13, that's when I started having a stalker. He was a few years older than me. You all the people at school. And this was a 10 year battle for me. I had to go to court over it. I had to get many, many, many <laughs> different police officers involved to help me with this. I spent six years making reports, documenting. And it finally, after the seventh, eighth year, I finally got three criminal convictions and a restraining order. Things didn't stop there, but it was something that was actually terrifying in my life for a long time. And if you've been on my social media, you've probably, you know, heard me talk about this in greater detail, but I was always looking over my shoulder. I was always afraid on a daily basis that I was going to die because he would tell me every day that he had a bullet with my name on it and it was going to come when I least expected it. He would break into my vehicle. He would show up at all different locations for my work. I switched locations four times. He would show up at my school. It was one of the hardest times of my life because he spread so many rumors. He even got a group of six girls to try and jump me. So he tried to get a group of six girls to try and beat me up. Because he wanted to teach me a lesson somehow. Because I refused any sort of advance from him. I refused to talk to him. There was so many things. And it was really, really difficult at the age of 14 as well to also be dismissed by the police. To be told until you wind up in 
wind up dead in the ditch. There's absolutely nothing we can do. So from all these experiences, I just learned to suppress my emotions because I saw all the angry outbursts from many different people outside that I would observe. I saw the things that happened at school, things between extended family members that is completely inappropriate for children. Went through different forms of physical and emotional abuse. And it's interesting because rumors have always been a thing that have really, really upset me deeply because as a child or as a teenager, yes, yeah, still a child, <laughs> not only did the person stalking me start rumors, but also there's people in my extended family that started rumors about me. So because I was anorexic and because I had all this stress and all of these different things going on inside, suppressing my emotions. My metabolism was just completely shot. I got really sick. We had a couple, there was like three or four major car accidents from that time frame as well. In 16 is when my fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, all of these things flared up. My metabolism, I swear, crashed at this time because in a couple of months, I gained 60 pounds. My body was literally saying, enough. <laughs> It was going into full shutdown protection mode. I feel like my body was trying to stop me from continuing on the path that I was on because it wouldn't have ended up well. I mean, this didn't end up well either. I ended up getting a lot of different issues in the body, so much physical pain. And again, I ignored it. But then the rumors started in my family. And those rumors were about me sleeping around when I hadn't at the time. There was rumors in my family saying that I was pregnant. There were all these things being said about me, but no one ever talking to me. And this is where I learned that even family can be your own worst critic that many people that surround you don't actually want to help you because despite all of these cries for help subconsciously no one noticed not one person noticed that I was sick that I needed help instead they took that opportunity to shame me more, to make me hate myself more. I already had body dysmorphia issues and the people that were closest to me just didn't wanna help. They wanted to criticize, they wanted to judge, they wanted the endless drama, something to talk about. They were never engaged in growth or healing. They just wanted to continue the drama cycles because it's what they were used to, it's what they knew. They didn't know anything else. So then I started working full time. I started doing all the things to essentially suppress my emotions. I was drinking heavily from the ages of 16 to about 22. 
because of the physical and emotional pain, things that I didn't want to deal with. And I couldn't deal with my emotions. Anytime I felt anything, I would numb it somehow. Whether that was keeping myself busy, working hard, working 70-hour weeks. But I kept myself busy. And I would always say that I thrive off of stress. I thrive off of (laughs) all of this. That I work better under pressure. But really all that pressure I was applying was to take away the other pain that I had felt. And then of course there was other things that I experienced. Like all the negative beliefs around women. Because there's a lot. And same with men. But me specifically, being a female, I experienced a lot of judgment and criticism. I heard growing up all the time that women were stupid. Women are dumb. Women don't know how to drive. Women can't do this. Women can't do that. Women don't belong in corporate. Women only belong in grocery stores and bakeries. These are literal things that I heard growing up. That women literally are not smart. And there was many times in my life where I had to work twice as hard to prove myself, to prove my intelligence, to prove my worth. I had many male teachers put me on the spot at 8.30 in the morning and gave me one of the most difficult questions that they could just to laugh at me in front of the class and call me stupid. Even though I blank when being put on the spot. It's not that I don't know the information. But when I know there's loaded questions and what the response is going to be, it makes it really difficult as a team to want to answer. And also, I was only given about seven seconds to answer. And because I couldn't answer it immediately, I was dumb. And that's why I'm going to fail. Is what they would say, despite the fact that I had almost all straight A's. And that's when I started skipping school because I didn't want to see the teachers. I only had ever a couple teachers in my life that were actually caring and loving and very supportive and who I will never forget. They helped me through the hardest times. The only person that noticed something was wrong in my life, in my personal life, was my art teacher. Because at that time, I'd utilized all my emotional pain to create so many incredible pieces of art. And a lot of my art was very abstract, but you can tell that the themes were deep sadness, depression, and anger just by the color schemes and the subliminal messaging that I put in my art. There were so many times she sat down to talk to me and ask me about my personal life and what was going on and what she could do to help me. She was one of the first people that fully saw me. So from there, going into the workforce and had many other issues there, being a woman, being in the management side, and also age. 
the amount of times that I got scoffed at for being the supervisor or manager and was told that women shouldn't be in management positions, they don't know what they're doing. And even from corporate head office, I had one of the district managers come to our location. We had a very specific district manager for our district, obviously, <laughs> but there was many DMs from other parts of Canada that were coming to view our restaurants because we were doing so well and they wanted to see like how we functioned. So one of the DMs from Ontario came to our store and our DM from the island was there. The first thing he did was look at me and saw this little tiny, you know, stud in my lip and just looked me up and down and said, they let people like you manage a store? Are you kidding me? And immediately my district manager jumped in and he actually defended me. He listed off all my results and essentially shut the man up, <laughs> which was really nice to have someone actually step in and be that protective figure where I haven't really had much of that in my life at that time. So it felt really good for someone to actually see me. But again, it was results based. So I learned quickly over my childhood and early adult years that unless you're constantly providing positive results 24-7 and achieving, you are worth nothing. So I was an overachiever for so long and a people pleaser. I didn't actually know who I was at this point. I hadn't a clue. And then I was getting sick all the time and I didn't know why. But hindsight is truly 2020 because looking back and being like, oh, you have all this trauma and this is only a quarter of it. <laughs> There's so much that I haven't shared, and I don't know if I ever will, but possibly. But there's all that trauma, car accidents, just unhealthy observations that became my inner voice. The stalker, <laughs> you know, and even the achievements didn't outweigh that. I was drinking lots, I was partying lots, I was just trying to numb myself in any way possible. I had very negative experiences with relationships by the time I was 22. I had one person after two years just completely ghost me. And it took me years to find him and figure out what happened. Because we weren't in the same city. And then another one. Oh. It got to the point of physical abuse. And that's when I left. But the one that I'd been with for quite a bit of time was constantly breaking up with me to be with someone else and then coming back to me when it didn't work out and going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I put up with it. I allowed it. I kept taking him back because I was now competing with the other woman. And that's the other thing that I learned that women had to compete with each other. There was many unhealthy dynamics that were at play. So when now I look back saying, why was I getting sick twice a month? Well, my body was just done with the stress. 
I was tolerating it. I wasn't dealing with it. And I was doing all these unhealthy self-sabotaging behaviors because I couldn't deal with the emotional wounds and pain of my past. And the reason why I explain my story, it's not because you should have a traumatic life in order to feel like life should be easy now. But I've had many people assume that my life has been easy, smooth sailing, and that everything's been perfect, and that, you know, even my childbirth was perfect when none of it went to plan. None of it was perfect. It was quite traumatic. <laughs> but also just to show that I am a human being. I've gone through many different things. And for most of it, I'm pretty open about it. And I share it because I know so many people go through these similar things. And for me, for so long, I thought that I would never get anywhere in life, that I would never oh, accomplish much of anything because of my past, because I was too broken to be successful. I was too broken to ever find happiness within myself, that I would never be okay. I was limiting my potential in life because of what I've gone through. And how many of you have felt the same? Because of all these perfect experiences, it's taken the joy and the will to live out of life. The will to want to do better. Because then we get the unfortunate task of having to heal from the things that we never asked for. And then you get in the spiritual community and they tell you you attracted it somehow. <laughs> So no one ever really hears you and your experience, which is why I have this platform so that others can have a space to be heard and share their experiences too. Because I want anyone who's listening today to understand that no matter what you've gone through, you can come back from it. You can heal the parts of you that feel broken because I assure you, you are not broken. You were already whole and you just need to remember these experiences are not you. They do not dictate your potential and your worth and your value and what it is you have to offer this world. And I want you to remember what are the things you actually love and follow your inspiration nudges. For me, I was angry for so long, and I never did anything with that anger for a long time. I was angry at those who took my innocence, that took my sense of peace and joy, a sense of stability. I was angry at the people that didn't choose me, didn't see me, but I also couldn't see myself. I didn't know who I was for a long time. And what really sparked that knowledge and going for it was an energy healing session I had when I was 22. And that's when I was like, I need to stop drinking. I need to start healing the past stuff. I need to start feeling for one, because I was so numb in my body. Like it, it was insane. Even physically, my pain tolerance was very, very high. So I knew I needed to start making changes. And I knew I needed to start putting myself first. I knew I needed to start saying no. And I knew that I needed support because around me, there wasn't a lot of supportive people. 
there was a lot of things my parents were supportive with and energy healing for whatever reason was one of them. <laughs> but overall, the amount of support that I had wasn't really there. I was always the person that was so independent, no one needed to ever check on. No one ever called, no one ever texted. So even now it's really hard for me to get into the mode of texting back because I'm not used to people actually reaching out and caring. So it is something that I'm working on is trying to actually respond more to things. Because I got so used to the empty space and being alone. And dealing with things or not dealing with them, I should say, on my own. So learning my value and worth is not tied to achievement. Knowing that I can have healthy support in those who also stand up for me, but I also need to stand up for myself and put myself first. And then feeling, needing to feel the emotional wounds that I had and then logically process why. Because we can all logically process why we feel a certain way to a certain extent. The logic is not going to heal the emotional wound. You know, I've gone through separation, divorce as well. I've gone through ending that business management career. You know, I just walked in one day and quit. I flew to another province and got a job, flew back, handed in my resignation, packed up my life, and hightailed it out of there. That was after I got all my certifications and things like that. So I've had major life changes as well. You know, I brought a beautiful child into this world. I've had my friend circle change a few times because I was realizing what old patterns that I was still involved in. And then I started to realize that the only way to really transmute emotional wounds and emotions in general is to transform them. So I really started looking at the different emotional components and giving it space. However, I really started to understand more of what my path was. I got that inspiration nudge and I started following it. And that's what unraveled my life into where I am now. I've had thousands of clients since changing careers. I've helped so many people in so many ways deal with the energetics. But they've also taught me a lot about myself too over the years. Being a practitioner is so interesting because it's not just you helping other people. It also gives you a lot of information, insight, and wisdom and experience. So I've learned equally from my clients. Just as they've learned and have been guided by me. But this is how you can transmute and transform your emotions is by looking at looking at the anger that you have, the sadness that you have, understanding what it is that those emotions do. Anger is a catalyst for change. Anger needs movement. So while going for a run can really help clear your mind, you also need to do something else with that anger on the emotional scale. It can help clear the physical body, but emotionally, spiritually, what other actions do you need to take? 
you need to set a boundary? Do you need to speak up for yourself more? Do you need to be assertive? Do you need to make a change in your life? That's what anger does. It shows you things that need to change. So by transforming those emotions is by using it as fuel. And that's what I started to do. I started taking all of my pain, my sadness, my grief, my anger, and utilizing them in a positive way, in an empowering way to make a difference on this planet. And it doesn't matter to me how big or how small that impact is. I would love for it to be bigger. Believe me, <laughs> that is my big picture goal is to have more of an international presence and to talk to other people that have experienced trauma and help bring some insight and hope to their journey. But I'm so happy with the amount of clients that I've had and the transformations that they have had for them to understand their emotions. Our emotions might be part of us, but they aren't us. We identify with so many things, but once you become more self-aware, that is truly the path. Our self-awareness helps us to understand ourselves, our emotions, our experiences, without judging and shaming ourselves. We're all unique. We all have dynamic experiences. And if nothing else from this podcast, I want you to take away that you can utilize your past experiences as fuel for change, fuel for transformation, fuel for positive impact, fuel for creating a beautiful life. And not that you need to prove anyone wrong, but damn, does it ever feel good when those people that told you you were dumb wouldn't amount to anything. That energy healing is all hocus pocus BS. I even had family on my business pages call me a con artist and completely defame me in front of my whole audience. So even the closest people to you might not be your biggest supporter and you need to be okay with that. And then you have to also take into consideration, is this someone that I really want in my corner? People don't need to believe in what you're doing to be supportive and encouraging. You don't have to have the same belief to say, I support you and I believe in you. And I respect your dreams and aspirations. But often people come from the limitation that they place for themselves and they project it onto others. So if you haven't been considered crazy, maybe you're not living big enough in your dreams and ambitions <laughs> or been as open with them. And that's really just a joke. But truly, when you follow your inspiration and your path, you're going to have so many people think that you're crazy or doing something dumb or that you can never be successful doing it. It didn't matter that I was working towards being in a corporate leadership position in the past. That was also dumb. It didn't matter that at one point I wanted to be a special effects makeup artist. That was really dumb too, did you know? And I wanted to be a hair and makeup artist at one point as well, and that was also really dumb. I also wanted to be a fashion designer. I was quite good at designing things, but also 
you'll never be successful, they say. So then I wanted to go to law school. And again, I was met with, you cannot be a lawyer. You need to be smarter. And also, it's a lot of hard work. So it doesn't matter if you're getting into something that seems logical. You'd be going in for nursing and people will think that you're being ridiculous. There'll be many people that won't support you no matter how normal the job seems. So then when I went into energy healing and went into body talk and Reiki and full realignment and all the other things, wow, was it not surprising that most of my family, or a lot, I should say, there was a lot of people in my family that did not agree. And because they didn't agree, they would constantly badmouth me, talk about me, and also hop on my public profiles online and say what they really felt. So it's been an interesting journey for me to still keep my head up high and still follow my dreams. So don't let anyone derail you. I don't care if it's your partner, your best friend, or your parents, or your aunt, or your uncle, or a cousin. <laughs> don't let anyone derail you from what it is that you truly want to do in life. Keep going. Keep taking those emotional wounds and utilize them for something positive. And that doesn't mean you have to be positive 24 seven and you have to be happy. Just know that you deserve all of those things too. And that even though you follow something you love, it isn't just gonna be easy, by the way. You might be really good at it. Yes, sessions might be easy, yes. Or whatever you're doing might be easy, yes. But the path is not always going to be easy. So you need to be able to stay the course when things get tough. And stop looking at everything that comes up as a roadblock as a sign that I shouldn't do it. Because if that was the case, I would never have gotten into body talk. Sure, a lot of things happened quickly. Like I was able to get into the course. I was able to take it. I was able to do all these things. But I had so much outside of me saying that I shouldn't do it and I couldn't do it. So don't let those external voices become your internal voice. And if you do have an inner critic, really understand when was the first time you heard those words? Because I can guarantee you 99.999% that voice is absolutely not yours. It came from somebody else or some observation, but it is not you at the core. We never come into this earth believing these things. So know that you have unlimited potential and just start small. Do some exploration, do some soul searching, do some journaling and figure out what that is because you are not too broken. You are not too unhealed or undeserving or unworthy. I can guarantee you that if you want to move forward, you can. And it's not so black and white, like, yeah, I want to move forward. So I'm just going to move forward <laughs> when you've had a lot of trauma. It's not like that. You have to really regulate your nervous system and feel safe to be in your body, to feel safe within what it is that you want out of life, to know that you're safe to make decisions for yourself. There's a lot that you begin to realize 
that you were projected on and conditioned to believe. So if anything, just place your hand over your heart and just connect with the energy of your heart and feel that heartbeat, feel that pulse, that purpose of living. So many of you are breaking generational curses and amplifying generational strength. So many of you are ending dysfunctional patterns that the previous generations weren't even knowledgeable or aware of. So much love to all of you and to anyone struggling. I see you. It is not an easy road or an easy path. But just know you are deserving of the life that you want to live. You are free now to make the choices you want to make. Come back home to your heart. If you have any questions about this episode, please let me know in the comments or email me at trinitysage.com. 333 at gmail.com where you can find me on Facebook under Phoenix Mystery School Instagram Phoenix Mystery School TikTok Phoenix Mystery School but I would love to hear what takeaways that you had from this conversation today if there's anything new that you learned about yourself today anything that resonated because I know when I listen to others talk about things, even if I've already heard it five, six times from other people, there's times where it goes so much deeper and you can really feel it like reverberate within your soul. I would absolutely love to hear from you guys, but I'm so grateful, so, so grateful for you listening. I'll catch you on the next episode of the Phoenix Mystery School podcast.